Mr. President Alarkaris, uh, thank you for meeting with Latvian television. Thank you very much. It's my, my pleasure. So we're going to start right off with uh, mid-April in Kiev. You, uh, along with uh, your colleagues from Latvia, uh, Lithuania and Poland, you visited um, Kiev uh, in mid-April uh, to show support and solidarity with Ukraine. What were your impressions there? Yes, uh, this was my second visit actually to Ukraine. So first time I, I was in Kiev two days before uh, 24th of February. So there are, I've had two different visits, so with uh, different emotions. And, uh, but of course the last one together with uh, my colleagues from Latvia and Lithuania and Poland was, was different and we have seen things which we uh, didn't want to see and didn't expect to see. So we visited the suburbs of Kiev and, and so all these war crimes and crimes against humanity, which, uh, which Russian forces have been uh, have done there. So it uh, made us uh, all speechless. And uh, we still recall when you hear in Ukraine, somebody saying, we recall all these uh, horrible things which have seen, I mean, uh, against civilians and children and, 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 uh, and women. So uh, this is not, not, well, was not a good visit, but at the same time, uh, President Zelensky said it's not for him this kind of visit, but it's for Ukrainian people that uh, they see that we do support all the Europe and not only Europe supports uh, Ukraine. And of course, being a witness to see uh, all these things because uh, there is going to a trial and, and somebody is responsible for these crimes and these are particular individuals, not, uh, not the whole nation. I know you said that there are two different emotions between the, these two visits. You visited Kiev two days before Russian invasion in Ukraine. Uh, did you expect that two days after your visit a war would break out? No, I didn't expect and President Zelensky didn't expect either. Although uh, US intelligence have told that this is going to happen. But it was very difficult to, to expect this kind of uh, horror. But yes, but of course, President Zelensky was uh, kind of a bit more even nervous before the war because he didn't know what's going to happen. He was expecting some kind of uh, uh, military movements around Hansk and Donetsk, but not uh, this kind of war in Kiev and other places. So uh, now, last time, he was quite, uh, well, behaved very brave and was um, very motivated what to do and what we have to do to help uh, Ukraine. So he's uh, changed, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, has changed himself? A bit, yes, yes. Uh, one could notice. Um, now, Russian invasion, full-scale invasion in, into Ukraine, that's uh, the main topic, basically, here at the Leonard Marie conference uh, in Tallinn, uh, and how to deal with Russia, in your opinion, how to deal with Putin, how to deal with Russia? Well, we probably, yeah, we failed with dipl diplomacy definitely before the war. And, uh, and um, what to do now and what put Putin does, it is difficult to say. But, but the only thing what we do know, we have to stop this war, to give more um, military assistance to Ukraine, humanitarian assistance, to help with the refugees. Uh, we here in Estonia, we have accepted more than 35,000 refugees and we don't have a 
kind of quota or limit. So I'm um, trying to, to help as much as possible. So this is what we can do to stop war. And of course, yesterday, today, and probably tomorrow, we'll discuss further what uh, NATO and, and different NATO allies can do to, uh, to help Ukraine. How to exert pressure on Russia? Sorry? How to exert pressure uh, on Russia? Well, of course, sanction is one thing, and, uh, and as I said, giving more and more um, sophisticated weapons to, uh, to Ukraines and training as well. So uh, this is what we are doing. And at the same time, uh, we have to start building up uh, Ukraine, which we are already doing, giving also uh, experts and uh, non-military equipment to Ukraine. Now you mentioned uh, to have to deal with our own security as well. Uh, now, uh, our neighbors, uh, Finland and Sweden, it seems, uh, might very soon um, apply to join NATO. Um, what would that mean for us, for the Baltic states, if these both countries become the member states of NATO? Well, it means a lot. Uh, we have been waiting for this decision already for a long time. But of course, it's not up to Estonians or Latvians to decide uh, whether Finland or, or Sweden join NATO. But, uh, but they, the speed was so... so uh, to say it was very fast, to, for not only for Finns, but also for us to observe. That, that, uh, when I visited uh, Finland a couple of months ago, so I was support something like 23% to, to join NATO. Now it's more than 70, and the uh, decision, decision is almost made. So, and uh, most important, uh, somebody mentioned already in this conference that it's uh, going to be Baltic Sea is going to be a lake. Uh, in, uh, in uh, the NATO countries, so uh, this is also a, a, a big change, how, to, how we defend. But this doesn't mean that uh, we are neighbours and uh, Lithuania, oh, sorry, uh, Finland and, and Sweden, they come to protect us. NATO doesn't work like this, so it's an uh, alliance and we uh, make, this, make decisions together, who, where to go and how to, uh, how to support the eastern flank, because this is important that we have now uh, uh, Finland in the eastern flank, which, uh, which makes, makes a difference. It's a more uh, security, more secure backing, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, Russian war in Ukraine now, um, and over the past couple of years, it was the COVID uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, these two things, one after another, has brought uh, tensions in the uh, societies, including in Estonia. Uh, now, in this time of the war in Ukraine, um, there's also different perceptions, it seems, uh, might be in the society about what's actually going on there. Uh, do you feel there's a tension in the society in Estonia? Of course, there's a tension. I mean, you mentioned coronavirus, uh, uh, now this war in Ukraine. There's also um, prices uh, are going up. Uh, prices of energy. So there are several things on top of each other. Of course, there, is, uh, there are tensions um, in society and uh, this is up to government now to find not only um, working on, on foreign policy issues, but also internally to, uh, to look what what's, uh, might happen, let's say, in September, October, November. Uh, because the COVID is not, uh, it was, has not faded away, it's still, it's still here. And, uh, and uh, it's probably the same with the war in uh, Ukraine. And as I mentioned, energy prices, which is 
important issue uh, in, in September, how to substitute Russian gas with LNG and other means of, uh, of energy. So uh, it, is, uh, it is something we should, uh, we should tackle. So several things at a, a perfect storm, so to say. Yeah. Um, now, uh, you might heard that in Latvia there are also high tensions right now uh, uh, because of the Soviet monument. Uh, we have, uh, it seems, there has been a decision to remove it. Um, so the tensions are high. You uh, experienced that 15 years ago uh, with the re removal of uh, the so-called bronze soldier. Right. Yeah, it was in 2007 and you uh, probably uh, saw what happened later on. But we didn't remove a statue, you know, forever. We uh, put it to our place, to the cemetery, that was the right place for, uh, for this kind of statues. But of course, uh, the same happens now in Estonia, because things have changed a bit. These uh, Soviet monuments, uh, with its aggression to, to Ukraine, changed somehow our mindset. What does it mean to, to our people? So there is also a discussion going on in Estonia, because Bronze Soldier was not the only one. There are a number of other, other monuments uh, in different places in Estonia. So, uh, yes, this discussion is also here in, in Estonia, so we'll see how it goes. So you see, it was the right decision to relocate the bronze soldier? It was a decision, yes. And uh, we made a decision because uh, we want, didn't want to have, uh, let's say, people's bodies in the center of our, our city. So we had they had to move to a cemetery together with a bronze soldier. Because there were burials underneath. But of course, uh, for some people it's still uh, something to uh, remember. In, uh, if you look at the foresight, if there any uh, advice perhaps you can give to, to Latvia, to Latvian uh, people or government? As <laughs> Well, it's very difficult, very difficult to give any, any advice. I, I'm not even able to give advice to my own, uh, own people here in um, some issues. So uh, it's up to uh, uh, Latvians and what's, what's in their hearts and what they feel and, and how they feel. So uh, I hope this problem will be solved by Latvians as well. Perhaps a suggestion how to overcome a polarization. I understand you are uh, dealing with that yourself as well, um, how to overcome overcome the polarizations in our societies. You see everything. I mean, any issue actually bring up it, people polarize. This is probably something uh, uh, that's happening now in in every country. It's not only uh, in our countries. Now, if we turn back to COVID, uh, uh, when you became president, you stated a few priorities of your presidency, one was the education, you being the uh, former uh, director of the Estonian National Museum, also overcoming the polarization, but also it's the mental health uh, you have put uh, among the, uh, your priorities. Uh, is that important right now? It is very important, especially when we uh, talk about COVID and war in Ukraine. So. Uh, I'm mostly focusing on, on children's mental health because it's uh, important I've seen in schools and talking to, um, to teachers and to, to students at school. So this is a problem and uh, during the COVID we noticed that people, people were staying at home with their families sometimes. It turned out to be a problem to be uh, in a very uh, 
in an environment where there are so many people in uh, small square meters. Um, but of course, the tension also goes to schools and, uh, and the pressure the students have now um, to study well or to, to make a career and, and so forth. We don't want to have, we, we can't lose uh, our kids. And so, so that's why you have to tackle this problem. And it's, a, it's a challenge because we don't have enough uh, people, enough teachers who are able to uh, psychologically help uh, students, but we're working on it. But I guess it's the same, not in our, in, in our country, but probably the same in, in Latvia. Indeed. So when you go to the schools, uh, what do you say to the kids? Well, what I say, I say, of course, to kids, you, you should study because this is school. But, uh, but um, do it in a more relaxed way, so without this uh, pressure of getting good marks and, and so forth. And uh, of course, you need to have good marks as well, but uh, without this kind of pressure. So. And um, things have changed how uh, now we teach at schools as well. We are, we are doing extremely well in these PISA tests. And uh, so uh, we are already sort of quite educated nation. But if you do have a good education, understanding what's going on in the world, you can uh, also tackle uh, these um, problems much easier and uh, let's say to avoid war. So this is important. It's also about finding a, about finding a balance. Right, and, uh, and being very critical because this time you can, you can find anything, fake news, but if you, have to have, you have to be critical what you read and what you get from TV and uh, anywhere. So uh, this is also part of education. Uh, President of Estonia, Aler Karis uh, Suraita for your time. Thank you. Thank much. you very much.